Let me read to you from Romans chapter 8. It says, yet, starting in verse 18. So if you've got a copy of Scripture, feel free to turn there. So starting in verse 18, it says this. It says, yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to take a moment and just kind of let it sit before I share a few thoughts on the passage. So we haven't been here together in four months. I counted it up the other day as I was looking and making plans, trying to figure out when it was that we were last here. And yet, as we're here and we gathered, and we're gathered, we still are well aware things aren't quite right. Even here, even in this space, even in what we've come to, come to do, things aren't quite right because we've encouraged a lot of our Valley family to consider staying at home, believing that it is the safest option for them. So there are folks that we're used to seeing that aren't here. It's not quite right because instead of being gathered in the sanctuary where we're used to alongside one another, where we're hugging and sharing stories and looking back and forth and hearing others were instead gathered together in the gym. We're cautious about getting close to one another, trying not to touch and be careful about what we do touch and what we pass and how that works. What I can see that those of you on the camera can't is that we're spread out throughout the room in chairs, picking the room that would give us the ability to be as separated as most possible. As we move forward, Jim is played for us and later we'll play a couple songs but we don't we are not going to sing today as we're so familiar with doing as it's so vital for our gathering together 
just in continuing to try and be wise and cautious about what's happening. And we know that all of that means that while we are in the building together, while we're gathered on a Sunday morning, that things still aren't right. Early in this pandemic, as we began, it was probably sometime in, in March, maybe the first week of April, um, one of the habits that I picked up was trying to run some, believing that I needed to find a way to stay healthier and also not just to be in my house all the time. So listening to lots of stuff, lots of podcasts as I would go, and I ran across some, some podcasts and some blog posts from a, a man, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who I knew of his stuff. I'd read a book of his called Anatomy of the Soul, which is magnificent. Uh, he's a psychologist, a brilliant psychologist out of the D.C. area, and in some of the work that I saw him releasing right around the beginning of this as it became clear that it was going to continue to stretch longer and longer than we initially thought that it might. He talked about the need for us as individuals to stop and watch, to stop and pay attention, to recognize and to point out some of the realities of what we were experiencing during this time. Obviously, neither he nor I nor most people had any idea that this is what it was going to look like for four months and now beyond as we continue to walk with this, but he talked about the value of us noticing. Noticing what we lost, but also taking moments to notice what it was that we received. So as I read that, and I saw it in a couple places, I was struck by the idea, and we began to do some of this practice of noticing in a couple of places. One of those was at home with our kids. Another was online in a Facebook Live opportunity that Callie and I do. We would take some time to kind of walk through these ideas of what it means to notice. And in this practice of noticing, the first part of that is for us, for you and me to stop and to notice the things that have been hard for us. To notice some of the things that we've lost to notice some of the things that have been taken away as we have struggled through this time and this experience and all that we've seen and all that we've walked through and all that we continue to walk through. In Romans 8, in the passage that we read, it talks about this idea of groaning. And as Paul wrote the letter, he speaks to groaning in three different manners. There's three different ways in which he points out how it's taking place. The first in verse 22 is he says, All creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, obviously, he meant the present time as when he was writing that. But we can continue to read it forward and recognize that all of creation, all that God has created is groaning with pain. You know the kind of groaning, the kind of difficulty, the kind of, of, of pain that can only be responded to with groaning, that words can't make sense of, that it's, it's, it's what the passage called beyond words. As I thought about this idea and what this looked like, I remembered Callie when Emory and Wilson were born, and some of the, the groans of pain, as it mentions the pains of childbirth. I thought about kids as they wrestle with pain, sometimes not sure how to explain it or what's going on. There's just this, this groaning that comes out, this moaning that something isn't quite right. This groaning that 
comes out of us when we experience that kind of pain, the groaning that aches for the pain to pass, the pain to go away, but also a groaning that, that hopes and looks and anticipates and longs for something new to come. Paul says that this kind of groaning is taking place in all of creation. That all of creation is groaning in this way, that, that things aren't yet right, that there is pain that's being suffered, and that something else will come, something else should come, something else is supposed to happen. So this groaning takes place in all of creation. But then Paul goes on, and he mentions another way in which it takes place. He says, and we believers, this is in verse 23, also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. So as we read through Paul's text, we find that not only is creation growing, but what it goes on to tell us is that the church joins with creation in this groaning. The church, even the people of faith, even the people who know that what God is doing, or that God is doing, we don't always know what God is doing, do we? But knows that God is doing, that God is working. The passage says that we too, as the church, come together and groan with all of creation. Now, it's not a complaining or a whining or a bickering. It's a, it's a groaning that things don't seem right. This doesn't seem to fit with what we expected, with what we anticipated, with what we've read in the scriptures, with what we have been told is true about the ways in which God works. This is not the way it is supposed to be. Paul says the church groans at the disappointment of what is and the longing for what is yet to come. And Paul continues in his passage and he transitions into a third manner of talking about groaning. And this is perhaps the most impressive, the most amazing of all of them as it says, and the Holy Spirit, in verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, the same word used again, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Holy Spirit groans with us. Paul wrote, and I believe that it continues to be true, that creation, that the church, that God groans because things are not the way they were created to be. Things are not the way in which they were supposed to be. This practice, this, this practice of noticing, this portion of the practice of noticing is the spiritual practice of lament. And as we think about lament and what lament looks like, it's important for us to remember that, that lament isn't just griping or bickering or complaining or whining. Lament isn't the idea that we turn from God when God doesn't do what I want God to do, as if somehow we're, we're, God, we're able to drive God forward to do what God is supposed to understand. It's not a, a giving up or a quitting on our faith or on God or what God is doing. It's not even a questioning as to whether or not God actually has any love for us or people or creation. And I suspect you've heard those challenges. 
Would a God of love actually allow this to happen? Would a God that had any power not somehow take this over? Why does God allow this? All of those kinds of questions. And that's not the way that lament is supposed to work as lament comes out of us as this groaning happens. But instead, this groaning is a spiritual longing. It's a a longing that things would be made right once again. It's a longing that God would continue to work in the ways in which we have been told that God does work. It's a longing that the promises of the Scripture would come true now. It's a longing that healing and hope and mercy would come sooner, not later. I read through some really great definitions of what lament reads. Let me read a couple of them to you. N.T. Wright, a well-known New Testament scholar, writes, Lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. It's where we get to when we move beyond our self-centered worry about our sins and failings and look more broadly at the suffering of the world. The point of lament, woven thus into the fabric of the biblical tradition, is not just that it's an outlet for our frustration, sorrow, loneliness, and sheer inability to understand what is happening or why. The mystery of the biblical story is that God also laments. There's a pastor who wrote this, a lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. It is a uniquely Christian prayer form as people look to God for help in the midst of their sorrow. Laments talk to God about circumstances that do not seem to fit with what we believe is true about Him. One other pastor says, Lamenting is expressing great sorrow or regret and even grief about something or someone as in the loss of a life. This lamenting could be verbally expressed in wailing, weeping, and crying. To lament means that something horrific has likely happened in their life, and it moves the person deep within their soul, and it is outwardly expressed in such a way that it is demonstrative and can't be overseen by others. We have so much to grieve over the last several months. Participating in this practice, what we've done with our kids at the dinner table, not every night, but most nights, is to ask them the question, what has been hard for you today? What is it that's been difficult or what is it that you didn't like that you want to talk about, that you want to speak to God? To you, church, here in the gym, online, I ask you a similar question. What is it that's been hard for you during this season? What have you lost in these months? What is it that's been taken from you? What are you grieving in these days? Maybe for some of you it's a strange ending that came to school. Maybe it's not being able to say goodbye to people that you wanted to say goodbye to, and maybe some of them have moved or, or, or changed schools or whatever it is that may have happened with that. Maybe for you it's a loss of a vacation or some form of travel that you were looking forward to. 
For some of us, for many of our country, it's a loss of work. And with that, a loss of money in order to pay for their bills, to provide for their family. For some, it's the death of a loved one. Maybe connected to the virus. Maybe not at all connected to the virus, but in this weird time in which grieving and mourning don't happen in normal ways. Maybe that's what you grieve is the loss of the ability to grieve as is normal. Maybe you grieve the loss of a friendship. Maybe your grieving has to do with the racial oppression that we've seen taking place in our country. Maybe you're grieving that you're stuck at home and you're not sure what to do or how to do it and you're, you're bouncing off the walls. Maybe you're grieving the, the struggles that it's brought into your home even as people are having to live with one another in new ways that they didn't anticipate. Maybe it's about not getting to worship with your faith family. We have so much to grieve. The list could go on and on and on. In the book of Romans, we find that this grieving, this groaning, this lament is not only acceptable, but it is the reality of all creation. It is the reality of what it looks like for the church. It is the reality of what the Holy Spirit is doing with us and on our behalf. And it says that even the Holy Spirit who prays prayers for us is praying prayers beyond words, prayers that are a groaning in this pain that is unable to explain, but simply to state things aren't the way that they were intended to be. Scripture's full of this practice of lament. A third, nearly, of the book of Psalms are lament psalms. We read one earlier, Psalm 42, this, this groaning and grieving lament. There's an entire Old Testament book called the Book of Lamentations. The Gospel shows Jesus in this posture of lament over and over again as Jesus groans that things aren't the way that he hoped, that he wants, that he believes that they should be. So as we come back together for the very first time, I think it's important that we take a moment to stop and to grieve. To lament what it is that we've walked through and what we've experienced. That we start here. Not that we necessarily get stuck here, but that we start here. Being honest about the reality that we don't have all the answers. That we don't understand all that is going on. But that the scriptures tell us that God longs for more. And that all creation groans and that the church groans and that God groans because things aren't yet the way that God intended for them to be. And yet we know that this doesn't necessarily wrap up our grieving. It doesn't stop because we take a time or a moment or a pause in which we do so. The same with a funeral, that when we go to a funeral and we grieve, that doesn't end our grieving because we had the event where it was allowable, but that grief continues. And we know that in us, grief may continue because all of this isn't over yet. The virus isn't gone and we don't know when it will be. We're watching as political battles continue to take place and seemingly will also never end. The oppression in our country is not yet, and we don't know when it will be resolved. There are folks who are still not back to work. We're not sure what will happen with schools as schools look to go back in the fall. And whatever it is that you have lost, whatever it is that you grieve, it is quite possibly still gone. 
So we continue in this grief, remembering that all has not been restored to the way that God intends, and we hope that it will be, and God longs for it to be. The kingdom, as we pray, the kingdom is not fully present on earth as it is in heaven yet, and until that day, we continue to groan, we continue to grieve. Until that day, the groaning will continue, the pain will continue because things aren't yet right. The groaning at our suffering and the suffering at others, the groaning that longs for things to be brought to fullness. We have to start at this place of lament, at this place of grieving, because if we don't, It somehow appears that we, as the church, are somehow all living in rose-colored glasses, believing and assuming that everything is just okay, denying the pain that we've experienced and that we are experiencing. And yet in this practice of noticing, it begins with lament, but it begins to transition into something different. Because what happens in the groaning that we experience, especially as the church, especially as the faithful, is that as we cry out to God, we are brought back to this place of trusting that God is at work and that God longs to continue to work. This trust reminds us that God is moving all things towards reconciliation, towards healing, towards new creation. So next week we're going to talk about noticing again, but we're going to talk about the second piece, the second half of what it means for us to be in this practice of noticing. Because there are also so many ways in which we have been blessed. Things that we have to be grateful for, even in this time, and we don't want to miss those. For just a moment, I want to invite you to do something with me. We're going to do so here in the room. We're going to invite people who are online to do the same thing as they might respond in chat boxes or whatever it is that they want to do. But we want to take just a few minutes, just two or three or four minutes, and we're going to walk into a time of prayer together, and I'm going to offer you the opportunity to speak some of the things that you lament before God. Now, not in long prayers or long words or long explanations, but just in a word or two. But to speak those things, to release them to the presence of God, knowing that the Holy Spirit is groaning with you. So we're going to walk into this time of prayer. And again, after just two or three minutes, I'll wrap us up. But if you want to voice a lament, then shout a word or two. You don't have to shout it. Just speak it. God can hear it. Actually, don't shout it. Just speak it. God can hear it. Well, let's walk into this time of lament together. God, we speak our prayers to you. And some of those prayers are prayers of broken hearts. So Lord, hear us as we speak our groanings to you.